drive left field. Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did. He got it. There we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive. He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Swing and a miss. Frankly, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. For baseball fans across Red Sox Nation, MLB fans from around the league, and the Yankees fans who can't get enough of hating us, welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering the Boston Red Sox. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and literally every single platform imaginable. We are also downloaded in over 30 countries each week from across the planet. According to PodTrack.com, the Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set against the Tampa Bay Rays, splitting the series two games to two. Red Sox are currently still in last place in the American League East. News out of Fenway, Bobby Dahlbeck's home run streak ended at five consecutive games on Saturday. Top pitching prospect Tanner Houck will make his Major League debut Tuesday against the Miami Marlins. The 24-year-old was drafted by the Red Sox in the first round of the 2017 draft. News from around the league, Cubs starting pitcher Alec Mills tossed a no-hitter on Sunday. His unlikely path to history began in 2012 as a 22nd round draft pick. His no-hitter is the 16th in Cubs franchise history. The San Diego Padres swept the Colorado Rockies over the weekend. They continue to head for a possibly epic playoff matchup against the Dodgers this October. Once again, I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine, and I am joined tonight from Saugus, Massachusetts, Al Nahigian. Al, how are you? Well, it's been a good weekend for Boston sports in, in general, so I'll take it. Yeah, not bad. Celtics uh, advance against Miami, and Cam Newton is 1-0, and apparently, with the uh, New England Patriots. Brady also yeah. lost today, so Belichick uh, gets the last laugh on this Sunday anyway. Uh, Very true. Also joining us tonight from Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Charlie, how are you? I'm doing well. I mean, the Sox split, so that's a win. Uh, Tom Brady didn't do that do that well, and he... Uh, he ended his last Super Bowl run in New England the same way he basically ended his uh, first game in in uh, in a Tampa Bay jersey. So that was pretty wild and pretty nice to see Cam Newton do what Cam Newton does, which is little little uh, runs here and there. He did run, score two touchdowns, and uh, I think that's the first time a New England Patriot QB has ever scored two touchdowns on the first week of the season. So he made history. Well he, done, sir. Yeah, he's he's definitely got his running game going. But anyway, uh, getting uh, into baseball here, um, some interesting stuff to go over uh, in the series. I do want to talk about Tanner Houck uh, after we get done with studs and duds. 
But uh, I guess let's just dive right into it for this Tampa series. Uh, splitting two to no- uh, two to two, excuse me, <laughs> wasn't the bloodbath many of us might have expected. So, uh, Al, you are in the leadoff spot. Who is your stud for the series? So my stud for the series is Christian Arroyo. It doesn't look like on paper he had a great series going four for 15, but that four for 15 included four RBIs and two of them being two run home runs. So there's your four RBIs. So not a bad series for the kid. And uh, yeah, it's always nice to see a guy hit multiple home runs in a series, especially against Tampa. Charlie. Yeah, he's easy. Um, what I really liked about it was that the home runs that he hit went to two different sides. It wasn't one kid favoring one side of the park. So he cranked one to, I think the third game was to, to right field. And then the game four, he hit it to left. I think that's what it was, right then left. So that's nice to see when um, when you got someone who can spread the ball to different areas and you know, just what Al said, you know, it didn't look like on paper he did very well because he only hit 267 in the series. But like you mentioned, two of those were bombs and they, they each went for two run jobs. So uh, you, you, can't, uh, you can't discount that. Well done. Arroyo has kind of had an interesting path to Boston. He was the first round pick for the Giants in 2013 and subsequently was traded to the Rays as part of the Evan Longoria deal. The interesting thing about that is High and Bloom was probably, you know, the the Tampa official working that trade. And then uh, Arroyo ends up with the Indians. There was, I forget wh- which injury happened when, but he had an oblique injury one year and then a forearm injury the other. I'm not sure which was in Cleveland, but... Red Sox uh, ended up acquiring him this year with Bloom again in our front office. Uh, you know, basically, I basically I think it was a waiver, uh, you know, claim or whatever. But he ends up with us. At the time he was traded to Tampa, he was the uh, 81st ranked prospect in all of Major League Baseball. So he was a top 100 guy and. Just never quite found it and had a big series this weekend against a, a tough uh, Tampa Bay team. I mean, you had Glass now on Saturday and then um, Charlie Morton today. So looking good and played second base. Suddenly we've got some depth in our infield, you know, with with. Dahlbeck now getting the bulk of the first uh, base starts. Chavis looking okay in the outfield. And Peraza is at the alternative site now because, you know, we're trying to start as many young guys as possible. And I'm really intrigued by Arroyo here. And I can't wait to see more. We got a little over a couple weeks left, so... May as well. And and Rennick yeah. has basically said he's going to be starting him as much as possible. It's it's interesting that, you know, uh, you, you see another guy who's, you know, his mid-20s uh, playing for the second team in the um, in the AL East. And I find it funny that he hit the same number of home runs against his former team that he had all of last season, which, you know, only played 16 games. But still, it, it's, it's funny to see him. I, I, love, I love that story when you see a player – play for another team uh, in the same division and just 
torches that team. And I'm going to say torch because this isn't someone you expect to hit uh, home runs in back-to-back games. You just don't. And uh, it's nice to see, like you mentioned. It should be an interesting story. Absolutely. My stud for the series, uh, and I think he was a stud in the last show, is Raphael Devers. 9-for-16, excuse me, 9-for-17 on the series. Had uh, multiple hits in, in three out of the four games. Hit at least one home run. I think I'm missing one in here, actually, as well. And picking right up where you know he left off last year. It took him a little while to, to get himself out of the gates, but we've got 2019 Raphael Devers firing on all cylinders right now. So love to see it. Love his presence in the middle of the order. And I I hope there's an extension, you know, coming up this offseason. I, I hope they, they don't wait on this. I oh I, I can't imagine them not doing something for him long term, similar to like what they did with Mike Trout. Uh not to compare the two because there's just no comparison. But uh, I think the Red Sox have to be a little bit diplomatic. They're gonna want to chew up a little bit of that arbitration eligibility because they know that he's going to command big money uh once the opportunity presents itself uh the kid's gonna hit and he's gonna do work he's gonna do damage he's already proven that he can do it um devers is gonna be one of those guys that teams would would pay good money for he's only 23 and he's leading the team with home runs he's already got 10 in an abridged season uh we saw him torch baseballs last year in the amount of hitting 311 with over 30 homers at 115 RBIs, stole eight bases, got 129 runs, and got over 200 hits as a 22-year-old. This year, 23, a year older, and he's kind of picking up almost where he left off. Um, they have to do something for him. Th- this is the second face of the team right behind Xander Bogarts. You have to do something. I mean, like Charlie just said, it's – you got to keep Rafael Devers in a Red Sox uniform as long as you can. This guy can be one of the best corner infielding hitters in the entire MLB when he's on. And we're getting a glimpse of that with another great series against the Rays. Keep him at all costs. And this is why we're saying at the trade deadline, make sure he doesn't go anywhere. Yep. Yeah, the name I, that he keeps getting compared to is is Adrian Beltre and you know, they play the same position. Beltre, I think, was a gold glover, though, so I, maybe we won't anoint him uh, at that level defensively, but certainly has a similar presence in the batter's box. And I, he stole a base, but I, seven <clears throat> or eight people stole bases on glass now in that, in that third game, which was crazy considering we didn't win the game after stealing all those I know. bases. But, but I, I- I want to say they stole like four or five bases against Glass now because Xander Bogarts had two of them. And I don't remember the last time I saw Xander Bogarts steal second and third in a game. That's a long time. Bradley had a pair too. It, it was, was just like, it was insane. It was at least six or seven. I, I can promise you that. Uh, Bogey had two. Bradley had two. Dugo had one. Devers had one. Devers had one too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember Devers. I know Shavis got one too because I was like, "Oh, finally, my birthday buddy over here." Yeah. Um, Bo- Bogey and Bradley each had two. Yeah. So it was probably six or yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Bad for the pitcher because that means you're going to have these guys that 
don't take chances now making you look silly you know they're gonna want to uh, address that before the postseason you know he's got oh, 100%. he's got to shorten up his uh his delivery to get the ball to the plate quicker and I'm not I think Perez was catching him I'm not too familiar uh with him not to be confused with the the Indians uh, Roberto Perez but um, yeah, so I, I don't, don't worry. I don't think anybody in Tampa knows him either. So, <laughs> he hit one ninety four yeah. with a strikeout. So, not to be disrespectful, I, I'm just playing. Um, but my, Michael Perez, uh, he's he's an older guy. Um, he's one of those guys that came up the farm relatively late as a rookie. Did fine a couple years ago in like a platoon role, but since then he's been kind of non-existent. He's just he's there. He's wearing a jersey, but no one's really expecting anything from him. Um, and that's that. I. I personally uh, went with a stud in the pitching rotation, and this is probably a little bit of a shock. I ended up going with Mike Kickham um, for my stud here. So he pitched in the first game, and I have to say I was pleasantly surprised. Outside of the two solo shots that he gave up, he allowed one hit in four innings, walked one batter, and averaged two strikeouts an inning. He got eight strikeouts. So props to Kickham for getting that done. Yeah, my bad. I went out of order, Charlie. I, I've been, I, I've been kind of sloppy with that. And uh, last you're week, you're good, dude. No worries. I, I think on Sunday show, I, I didn't do the honorable mentions or the dishonorable ones. I forget which set I, I left out. But, uh, yeah, Kickham's an interesting case. I don't think I don't have his stats up in front of me, but before he made his first appearance with the Red Sox a couple weeks ago, I don't think he'd been in the league for six years. So the Red Sox kind of pull him out of nowhere, and he hasn't looked that bad. I know his ERA isn't great. You know, he's had a couple of rough patches, but but he's looked good in some outings as well. And and like you said, eight strikeouts. This is a guy I want to see more of, you know, in the coming series. There's not many left, but, you know, we, we want to know what we're, what we're looking at as far as depth you know, as far as 2021 goes and he throws like mid nineties velocity. So he's not like, you know, Ryan Weber and, and Zach Godley just barely touching 90 at times. If, if they even touch 90, uh, during some games. So, um, I'm a little kind of intrigued, you know, with, with kick and, you know, Brazier had a similar story. He hadn't been in the league for, I think four or five years. And, uh, pitched in Japan before ending up with the Red Sox. So, um, like, like what I'm seeing uh, with Kickham. Al, thought any thoughts on him? I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. A guy that can throw mid-90s and a guy that actually can give you sufficient innings is a winner in my book with this Red Sox team. So, good to see that there could be a potential future starter, future bullpen guy in Kickham. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, any any final thoughts on Kickham, Charlie? I was trying to unmute myself for a hot second. It wasn't working. Uh, <laughs> I hope to see this uh, continue because uh, similar to, you know, Jason really likes Martin Perez. He's mentioned, you know, this is the this is the guy who now we, we, we can, we've seen what he can do. Let's see if he can carry it on. And then the following week, it's or the following start, excuse me, it's kind of a bad start. But Martin Perez has been able to put uh, a couple of quality starts together, and he actually has been able to go back-to-back games of 5-plus for the first time since 
he faced Tampa Bay back-to-back times. So it's, it's, it's nice to see him be able to do what a starter should do. If Kickham was given an opportunity to pitch a fifth inning, I don't think he would have gotten two strikeouts. Maybe he gets rocked. But here's the thing. Why not give him a chance to do it? Unless he said, you know, coach, uh, I think I'm good. Like, I'm done. He only threw 16 balls that game. He threw 49 strikes. It was a 3-to-1 ratio. That's pretty good. We've been seeing a lot of 50-50 garbage. And, and that, was, that was not it. And I was really happy to see what he did. That was, a, that was almost like vintage Chris Sale-esque. Lefty-lefty. Um, just doing his thing, and yes, giving up, giving up a couple of home runs. But, I mean, that line, that's a scary line for a starting pitcher. And if he's just getting warmed up, I mean, uh, this is going to be a very fun season coming up. Because like you mentioned, Terry, he didn't pitch for six seasons. He got basically booted out of the league in, what was it, 2014 or 2015. And uh, it was one of those guys that just – it. It didn't look like he had it. He, he had an ERA above, I think, 20 when I was looking at him way back uh, before the season started as a potential guy. But um, he's, he's getting it done. So I'm curious to see what happens with him very much. Yeah. I'm pulling up the box score right now. I'm kind of curious. Um, I saw most of that game, but I'm just wondering who Renicky. Uh, brought in after him let's see oh yeah he brought in Weber so I I guess he was just hoping to go multiple innings with with Weber uh, who got seven outs and gave up one run so not not too bad uh, you know for Weber and he's a guy that we do like in middle relief so um, I wouldn't say that that was necessarily a head scratcher but you know it certainly wouldn't hurt to to stretch a guy like kick him out but maybe maybe he'd gone through the order a couple of times, and maybe that was the mindset. They didn't want him to go through a third time or whatever. But uh, yeah, good stuff. So we'll we'll see how you know how things shape out here. Uh, another guy uh, that is going to get a start here. I don't know if it's this week or the following week. Will be Nick Pavetta. So kind of curious to see you know what they've done with him because I'm sure they're they're trying to fine-tune his mechanics so um another guy that's why i i don't mind watching a last place team sometimes you know we're going to get into tanner helk here uh, later on but um you know there's a lot of interesting things to uh to still you know observe as the season comes down to a stretch so comes to a close excuse me but yeah, all right. Pavetta makes me nervous. Pavetta actually, I am so nervous about that because here, here's the, th- and I think when we talked about it, it's like it, it was a, you know, you're basically handed a grenade and you have the option of pulling the pin or not pulling the pin and trying to figure out like what you have no idea what's going to happen. You, you, you really, that's a bad example. That's just garbage. I'm going to just delete that entire thing I, that I said. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I'm nervous about Pavetta because ever since like his first couple of even starts, like he's had a sprinkle. And when I say a sprinkle, I mean, he's had one good start here or there, but there's been no level of consistency. Like there, I, at this point you're starting Pavetta because it's like, no, oh, well, I mean, we got nothing else left. I mean, we might as well just throw Pavetta in there and see what he can do. 
because the worst you can do is what what we've done already. We failed already. So I mean, at this point, what's the worst that could happen? Put him in and see if he gets shelled, like you know, my dud of the series. <laughs> well, I think here. I think. They the Red Sox when Bloom spoke about the trade that day, because um, Pavetta was part of the Workman trade with Philly. Um, he basically said, you know, "This is a guy that has shown immense talent in the past, and just quite hasn't, you know, found it uh, on a consistent basis." So. I just feel like you know they they see something and. You know, Dave Bush has probably diligently 